can spend tons of money and time doing all these things that you wish you could do. But the reality is, is that I can spend way less money and time doing what's actually working. Welcome to Honest E-Commerce, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and I believe running a direct-to-consumer brand does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. On this podcast, we interview founders and experts who are putting in the work and creating real results. I also share my own insights from running our top Shopify consultancy, Electric Eye. We cut the fluff in favor of facts to help you grow your e-commerce business. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honest E-Commerce. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And today, welcoming to the show, another podcast host. Uh, <laughs> you're going to see a theme here lately. I'm going to have... I'm doing a little bit. We're doing a little swapsies with a few different podcasts. Uh, and Mike from Ecom Crew had me on like a week or two ago, I think we first chatted. Uh, and I have no idea when that's going to come out, but it'll be out probably before this one. So go find it. And we talked <laughs> about some really fun stuff on that episode. Uh, Mike, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Doing good, man. This is my first time using this platform to record and it's a little bit of an anxiety. Like it counts down and you're like, is this thing going to explode when it hits zero or? What's going to exactly happen? But here we are and everything seems to be good. Yeah. So uh, he's talking about we use Riverside.fm. So if anyone out there is thinking about podcasting, uh, this help this. So this uh, platform really helps with doing the video podcasts. Uh, me and, and Sean, my partner, uh, tried like four or five of them. And this one seemed like the easiest <laughs> is the kind of the only way I could describe it. So that's why we, we settled and it works. Yeah, it's cool. I'm going to check it out myself. We were talking about it when you were on my show and... Uh, I think it, it's pretty neat. We're going to take a look at it ourselves. Awesome. So for uh, for the the uninitiated, so Mike, <laughs> uh, you uh, obviously you've got the blog and podcast ecom crew, but you're also uh, the CEO of Terran, uh, and you guys currently have four Amazon brands. Is that correct? We do. Yeah, we we have four brands uh, in hot and cold therapy, uh, a stuffed animal baby brand. We own Tactical.com and have tactical products around that. And we just purchased a, a home decor business uh, back in, uh, it was like our New Year's gift, uh, December 31st of 2020, we closed. So uh, yeah, quite a bit going on. That's amazing. That's amazing. So uh, me and Mike decided beforehand, since we're both podcast folks, we're really, we're really good at just thinking uh, <laughs> on the top of our heads. So we're rolling with that today, but I, I already have questions. So um, as a, an e-commerce business owner, um, when did you decide to kind of double down on the industry and purchase another brand? You know, was it a a thing that you always felt, or did it kind of slowly evolve and you you realized that this is something that was repeatable? Well, we actually sold a brand in 2019, and we just really we have been growing, doubling every year uh, since we had started doing our own private label stuff in 2015. So you know, one million to two million, two million to four million, four million to eight million. Uh, we were on the way to to not quite double the next year, but we were certainly going to go over 10 million uh, and found ourselves in a predicament of we have been growing at this rate and it all looked great on paper and we were paying lots of taxes, but never actually took a penny out of the business. I uh, didn't pay myself a penny all those years. I mean, luckily, uh, I was able to sustain that personally and from a financial standpoint because we had made some money in, in previous business endeavors and were able to do that. But I also was at a point where I didn't want to have the doomsday scenario happen and just end up walking away with nothing. And so we did take a sizable seven figure cash out selling one of our brands. A couple of years had passed since that. And I found myself 
ready to do something else or some more, I should say, not something else, but just add on to it. Because I'm still a big believer in e-commerce and think it's a, you know, a growing space. That that combined with just some of the SBA programs right now it, and where I see inflation going, I feel like it's almost crazy not to do something like this. Um, you know, just the SBA loans are ten-year terms at like single low single-digit interest rates with very little down. Uh, you know, immediate cash flow positive scenarios where you know that just doesn't exist typically in life. Uh, and and I do think that inflation's coming. Uh, actually, I think that inflation's here in a big way. I mean, one of the things that you see as an e-commerce owner is inflation indicators before they really start to happen. I mean, shipping costs have gone up, raw material costs have gone up, uh, everything's gone up. Like <laughs> it's it's crazy. Um, and so, you know, if you're buying a, a couple of million dollar business at today's value that might double just based on inflation or go up fifty percent or whatever it might be. All those things were kind of a perfect storm for us to 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 get back in, you know, put more chips in the table, I should say, uh, in e-commerce, but not in the same crazy way that we were, where it was making me, you know, get panic attacks back <laughs> back before we took some chips off the table. So, you know, that's kind of where we were at. Awesome, awesome. And with you, uh, you guys are kind of uh, heavily invested in uh, not necessarily private label. That's an easy cop out to say, but it's more Amazon Amazon esque brands. And we were speaking a little bit in the pre-show about uh, how you've just found that your processes and strategies allow you to scale the Amazon side of the businesses way faster than Shopify. Yeah. I mean, our, the brand that we sold Color It was about 80-20, you know, 80% Amazon, 20% uh, on Shopify. I think you had, had Amazon shut down, uh, we probably could have doubled pretty quickly on, on Shopify. I think a lot of we were driving a lot of the traffic towards Amazon. And, you know, it's just been this constant struggle of, you know, there's all these people talking about like, how do I get sales off Amazon? How do I pull my Amazon traffic off Amazon and, and get it on my Shopify store? And in, in, in some ways, I think that that's a mistake. You know, I, I definitely understand the logic behind it and, and the default, uh, you know, most instinct to to want to do that. It's your customer if it's on your store and you have more control, et cetera, et cetera. But when you look at the other end of the coin, uh, you know, Amazon is 57% of e-commerce and uh, it's getting more and more competitive there. And every sale you take off Amazon slows down the Amazon flywheel. And so what we've really discovered is that for every sale we take off Amazon, it's really taking off like 1.5, 2.55, you know, whatever the long-term effect is of that, the ripple effect, the butterfly effect of getting that one less sale on that keyword that somebody would have searched that knocks you down one organic position that then produces a couple less sales and knocks you down a couple more positions and your competitors are waiting in the wings to, to overtake you. Um, you know, so that's just kind of the position we found ourselves in. It's not it isn't that I love Amazon and that we're all in on Amazon necessarily. It's just that right now, uh, it you know, just looking at the numbers and, and being realistic, it's hard to really focus on trying to grow a Shopify store. Uh, so what we have done is, is grown a lot of off Amazon content, right? And so we push the content towards Amazon. We could push it towards our own store at some point in the future, but we have these off Amazon assets that we're building that I think will keep us nimble. Shall something change in the future? Yeah, that was a that was a question I had. It was how do you de-risk your 
you know, commitment to the 800 pound gorilla essentially. And, and you answered it without me asking. And so that's what I want to highlight for the listeners here is, uh, they, they kind of, you know, they found their golden ticket and Amazon works, but in an effort to de-risk it, they are building assets that they own off Amazon. And if for some reason something happens with Amazon or Amazon decides to take their product category on with the Amazon basics line, uh, they can just turn around and pivot pretty pretty quickly to directing all that traffic to their their own owned store uh, on their Shopify domain. Exactly, and so some of the blog content we write is actually on our Shopify store. You know, again, we don't. It isn't like we ignore Shopify or, or don't want those sales. It's just that ninety five percent of it or whatever is coming from Amazon at this point, which is uncomfortable. But you know, again, it's hard to kind of fight the trend. I mean, it's just where where things have kind of fallen for us. The types of products that we have right now. Also, I mean, like color, it was easier to, to run Facebook ads and do kind of direct response ads and, and get that stuff that, you know, hot and cold therapy ice packs. That's not, you can't run Facebook ads for that. Um, and so again, yeah, I mean, we're building these off Amazon assets. You know, we have, we still have a Shopify store that still does mid six figures a year or whatever it is. I mean, it's still, still a pretty big uh, asset for us. In addition to that on, on there, we're writing lots of content, you know, and, and, Actually, on our own Shopify store, we have go buy it on Amazon buttons because, again, getting that external traffic off to Amazon helps us in these more competitive categories that I know we would have no chance of ranking in uh, if not if not for that. Uh, and then we also build standalone blogs like tactical.com that, that don't have any store associated with them on the actual blog. And we have uh, several of those properties that we've been working on as well. And... That again brings organic traffic in. We can drive traffic to our Amazon listings at such a point in the future when uh, you know we might not might not uh, want that that uh, traffic to Amazon. We could send it to our own store, off to Walmart, off to eBay, uh, whatever it might be. Uh, and and I, so I feel like we're doing the best that we can with the facts that we have right now, and 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 doing the best we can to to get the most out of our business while we can. You know, I think that that's really important. Something I've learned. In, in life and in business over over 20 years is to 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 really not fight things and and you can spend tons of money and time doing all these things that you wish you could do but the reality is is that I can spend way less money and time doing what's actually working and and just throwing off lots of cash at us yeah I think that's something that uh, it, it kind of goes back to that that shiny things mentality where there's always something new and fun and exciting to do but Oftentimes, there's something old <laughs> yep. and tried and true and predictable that you have not optimized. And it's almost against human nature. And especially the yep. entrepreneurial mindset. It's building stuff is way more fun than tuning things, I guess. Um, it's it, You got to learn that lesson. And you know we do it. We deal with it at the agency all the time. You know, we we go down big rabbit <laughs> holes. Like we, you know, we, we thought about... <laughs> we didn't think about we were... a we launched an info product and realized it was just, you know, it was a shiny thing. We're like, why do we care about this when, you know, our lifetime value of a client at the agency is yep. so much more than this? It's like, why are we getting distracted? And, you know, it was a big mistake and we learned from it. Because everyone else is doing it and I got to do it too. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you see these, that's the thing about Twitter is you see this thing on Twitter yeah. and you're like, we yeah, can do that. Yeah, the guy on Twitter only has 140 characters to tell you how awesome it is. He doesn't have the 10,000 characters to tell you what a mistake it is. <laughs> All right. So let's, talking about mistakes, what's a, what's a mistake that you kind of want to let the people know, don't do this? Well, 
<laughs> that's a good, I mean, it depends on what angle you're going for. I mean, I think uh, one of the things that we we learned the hard way when we sold Color It is we had everything commingled in, in one company. Uh, and so in terms of like big mistakes, I, I still look back and, and regret having us put us in that situation because what ends up happening is, uh, first of all, uh, to defend myself and what my thinking was, even though I, I ended up being wrong, I thought that when I would go to sell, I would want to just be out of e-commerce. Like I just, I feel like my personality typically is just like, I'm all in and then I'm going to be all out. Like when that, when that happens, I'm going to just sell everything and just be the hell out of this. And it just ended up not working that way. Um, I thought I would sell the whole company, you know, all the brands and everything all together all at one time and just be like, see you later and I'm done. But the situation popped up that I talked about earlier, where we were, we were growing so fast and kind of a victim of our own success to some degree, to such a, you know, such a high degree that I wanted to get rid of one brand and not everything else. Cause I really was enjoying e-commerce still. And just, it was more just, I need to take some chips off the table. And so trying to, to, to jettison one brand out of a commingled LLC, absolute freaking nightmare. You know, you got, first of all, one Amazon account in that situation. So it was creating a lot of stress of like, if one Amazon account gets shut down, it shuts down the whole nine figure or eight figure business. Sorry. Um, that was one stress point. We had one commingled set of books. And so when you go to to sell the business, it's not going to be SBA qualified because you're only selling part of it. And the SBA won't lend to, to potential buyers if it isn't just all one clean tax return. Um, so we eliminated a huge buyer pool. And then of the buyer pool that's left, you then have to convince them and get on the same page with them that you're shared overhead expenses or other things you can brush under the rug aren't actual baggage that you're selling them or, or things you're trying to get away with and just charge them a higher price. And so all those things were difficult. We we got past them. We still found a great buyer. They're very happy. They've grown the business quite a bit and we've become good friends. We've actually invested in some of the things that they've uh, done on, on future projects. It, it's just been awesome. But it doesn't take away from the fact all those things I mentioned, we probably could have got a higher price if we I go on the market to a more widespread audience. Um, the other thing that it caused a huge problem was, okay, now we're ready to sell. We convinced someone to give us you know, seven figures of their money. They wanted our Amazon account and we're still selling millions of dollars of the stuff of things that they're not going to keep through that Amazon account. And so we had to go make new Amazon accounts, take the inventory out of the existing Amazon account, recall it. Uh, anybody who's ever done that, I mean, that stuff shows up from, 37 different warehouses and all kinds of different conditions and uh, definitely never buy the case. And so we were getting uh, about $800,000 worth of inventory at our cost back out of that account, back to our warehouse, which was only 3,000 square feet, trying to navigate as quick as we could, getting that stuff back, recase packing it, relabeling it, getting it back into Amazon. We just had like this carousel of like crap would show up one day and we try to get it right back out the door the next day. So we would have enough room for the next day's crap that was going to show up. Uh, and that was months of that. And we actually had a delay closing by 30 days to get another 30 days to, to get the rest of the inventory out of the account and get the new account set up. And so in terms of things that mistakes and things that we've solved now, having each brand in its own LLC, having uh, each brand have its own Amazon account has, has been a lifesaver. The other thing that it's done from a positive is it helps stop some of the stuff we were talking about just a minute ago. 
Like now for me to like go have another harebrained idea and start another brand is a lot more difficult. And so I need to have a much better business case of like why I'm going to go do this you know, versus the other brands that we started. Oh, well, shit, we already have an Amazon account and we already got an LLC set up. And all I got to do is like go register the domain name for eight bucks and I got a brand. This is much more difficult. I got to make an LLC. I got to go open up a checking account. I got to get new credit card stuff, a new PayPal account. Uh, open up a new Amazon account, convince my COO that this is a good idea. I go, you know, there's a, a much higher barrier to entry to do this, which is good for us entrepreneurs that that get that shiny object syndrome. <laughs> no, that, that, it, you went so far down the rabbit hole there. So I, I thank you a lot. And there's some good stuff there. And I, I guarantee there are two or three people listening to the show that went, <laughs> shit, we got we to gotta split these things up. Yeah. I mean, and do it now, right? I mean, uh, if you're, you know, if you're, like, and, aren't planning on selling for a year, you can make it not that painful. But if you've got the gun to your head, it's painful. This isn't tax advice. Let me put that there. Not I at think all. We have to say that. You know what I mean? But you know the way that we run stuff is... It, it sounds complicated when doing taxes, having multiple LLCs, mm -hmm. but it's actually really easy. It's just... If you have an account that knows what they're doing, it, it's just uh, basically... It's a funnel and it, it works great. It's a little more expensive because you got to... You know, but... but not oh, yeah. more difficult. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's a lot more paperwork. It's not. It's it's not mm -hmm. like it's not like rocket science. It, it makes a lot of sense once you do it once. You're like, oh, okay, that's how that works. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, maybe Electric Guy can help. Our team has helped our clients generate millions of dollars in additional revenue through our unique brand scaling framework. You can learn more about our agency at electriceye.io. That's E L E C T R I C E Y E.io. Mesa is the easiest way to integrate any top e commerce app or service with your online store. Designed exclusively for Shopify and Shopify Plus, Mesa's automated workflows can get back your time spent on repetitive tasks while growing your business at the same time. Join other merchants that have embraced the simplicity of Mesa's no-code approach to building workflows. You can create new ways to improve customer engagement, encourage repeat purchases without lifting a finger, reduce manual data entry, and more through a simple point-and-click interface. And with Black Friday Cyber Monday planning around the corner, now is the time to ask the question, is my online store prepared? Optimizing every step in the shopping experience is the only way to create a lifelong customer Get Mesa and capitalize on one of the biggest e-commerce events of the year. Search Mesa in the Shopify App Store and download the app today. Our partner Rewind can protect your Shopify store with automated backups of your most important data. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, or collaborators gone bad. It's like having your very own magic undo button. Trusted by over 80,000 businesses, from side hustles to the biggest online retailers like Gymshark, Gatorade, and Movement Watches. Best of all, merchants like you can get one month of automated Shopify backups for free by visiting rewind.io slash honest. That's R-E-W-I-N-D dot I-O slash H-O-N-E-S-T. Hey everybody, do you want to win back valuable lost time for your support team? Gorgeous has machine learning functionality that takes the pressure off small support teams and gives them the tools to manage a large number of inquiries at scale, especially during the holiday season. Gorgeous combines all your different communication channels like email, SMS, social media, live chat, and even phone into one platform and gives you an organized view of all of your customer inquiries. Their powerful functionality can save your support team 
hours per day and makes managing customer orders a breeze. They have allowed online merchants to close tickets faster than ever with the help of pre-written responses integrated with customer data to increase the overall efficiency of customer support. Their built-in automations also free up time for support agents to give better answers to complex product-related questions, providing next-level support, which helps increase sales, brand loyalty, and recognition. Eric Brandholtz, the founder of Beard Brand, says, We're a seven-figure business, and we have essentially one person on customer support and experience. It's impossible to do it without tools like Gorgeous to help us innovate. Learn how to level up your customer support by speaking to their team here. Visit gorgeous.grsm.io slash honest. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S dot G-R-S-M dot I-O slash H-O-N-E-S-T. Businesses are the most successful when they own their own data, customer relationships, and their growth. That's why more than 50,000 e-commerce brands, big and small, trust Klaviyo to deliver their ideal customer experience. Klaviyo is the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for online brands of all kinds and all sizes. With email automation, SMS marketing, list growth tools, and more, you'll get everything you need to build strong relationships that keep your customers coming back. If you're tired of relying too heavily on paid advertising or third-party marketplaces for your sales success, you're not alone. It's time to take back control of the customer experience. More and more online businesses are moving to Klaviyo to grow higher value customer relationships through personalized email and SMS marketing. And the results are staggering. Ready to drive future sales and higher customer lifetime value with a marketing platform built for your long-term growth? You should get a free trial of Klaviyo over at klaviyo.com slash honest. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash H-O-N-E-S-T. So uh, kind of going, uh, you you skirted around this statement and uh, I don't know what, if you have a, a thought here, but um, for entrepreneurs that love building stuff versus buying something that's already created, where... Now that you've been in the game long enough, where would you spend your energy? This is a fun question. Um, you know, I'm in my mid 40s. I've been in business for for 20 years, and if you asked me that question at several different times throughout that journey, you would have got a completely different answer. And so today's answer <laughs> to this question, uh, I'm definitely in the buy camp, um, and I don't know that I'll ever change my opinion again. Uh, maybe I will. Ask me again in five years, I might look like a fool. All right. Um, but here's here, here's the reason why. It is fun to build a business. I agree. It's actually one of the most fun things that I do I've ever done. I mean, but my success rate on this is is certainly not 100. percent Right. I mean, I, I'm man enough to admit that I've started probably 30 different things, maybe 50. I don't even know. I've lost count, and you know, maybe only five of them have been successful over the years. And you know, I'm pretty good at it starting something, realizing it's not going to work and not taking that personally, not holding on to it forever and just moving on to the next thing, trying the next thing, trying the next thing. And it's worked well for me. You know, it's, it's worked really well. Cause like the things that end up working well uh, have been life-changing, you know, it's, they're, they're just disproportionate. It's, it's similar to investing in the stock market. You know, you might buy 50 different stocks uh, and one of them is the Apple or the Amazon or the Teslas that you bought and just held on to for 10 years. And it, 10,000% X or whatever. And that's all you need. You just need one of those. And so being, being good at that. But the, you know, the reality is, is that 
you can buy someone else's mistakes, right? Or, or uh, get a discount on someone else's mistakes, I, I should say. And so businesses that are for sale are the ones, are, are the, are the, let's say, the, the from in my case, the five out of the 50 things that I've done, the other 45, I didn't sell. They, they cost me money. You know, they, they were, um, and so buying a business that's established, it's been through it, that, you know, you're, you're getting the ones that are, that are the successful ones that you can then continue to build on. Uh, the other thing that's, that's really quite interesting is that, you know, if you were to start a, a brand new uh, content site today, everything that I know, I, I'm good at it. You know, I can, I can build a content site in pretty much any niche and be successful with it in three to four years. Right. I mean, it's, you, you, if you're going to do it the way that I like to do it, it's, it's putting in the hard work. It's doing it the white hat way. This stuff takes a long time. You know, you can't just snap your fingers and have a site that's getting 50,000, a hundred thousand visitors a month or more and generating lots of revenue. And so you're buying all that time as well. You know, it's so you, you, you eliminate or, or you're getting a discount on other people's mistakes. You buy a bunch of time that is really hard to, to replace, you know, or impossible to replace. Really, you can't ever invent more time. Uh, and if you're good at what you do, you can buy something at a 3x multiple, a 4x multiple. It's kind of like where things are selling these days. And and really get your payback time to be something in the 2x range. Because you can, if you can double the business over the next couple of years, your your effective multiple is is in the two x range, and so what that means is that you're getting fifty percent cash on cash return on your money, and so not only does it solve all these other things that we talked about in terms of time and getting a discount on other people's mistakes and buying you know the successful things that are already established and uh, et cetera. It's also just a really damn good investment, right? I mean, like, where else are you going to get these times of, types of returns anywhere else in the world? I mean, it just it doesn't exist. And I think that this is why you see a lot of these uh, Amazon aggregator businesses popping up right now that are investing literally billions of dollars into buying Amazon businesses because you're buying a part of the digital shelf. You're you're making a really great investment. You're getting you know a thirty three percent return on your money, even if you don't grow the business by buying something in a 3x multiple and people with a lot of money are like holy crap like I'm I've been getting 3 4 5% of my other investments and this is returning 33%. And so I think all of those things combined have really really got me solidly in in the buy camp. Yeah, and, and this is something that I kind of uh harp on often on the podcast which is there is no magic wand for product market fit. Um, and most businesses that are for sale have already cracked that code, which is by far the hardest part of business in general. That is the hardest thing, hands down. I think I, you it's know, fact. that's that's my. Yeah. I don't think that's my opinion. I think that's just fact in, in, out there, you know. And you can just shortcut it by months or years. And so once you you buy, you know, a brand or you know, there's all sorts of businesses you can buy, right? Everything's for sale. Um, basically, you know. The lens that I view this through is almost like the same lens that you view like a house through. If you can, if you have the vision and the foresight to look at this thing, you're like, you know what? With you know a new coat mm -hmm. of paint, new carpet, all this stuff, yep. it'd be worth so much more. And I know how to do all that stuff. And it's it's kind of just the same approach that you take to buying a business. You're like, hey, like their marketing is garbage. If we streamline all these things, we focus on this thing, we we blow this out. 
you know, there's my money back and then some. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's a great analogy. I mean, it's exactly like buying a, a, a flip, you know, a house flip, right? I mean, new coat of paint, new carpet, do some landscaping, place, you know, do some kitchen cabinets because that's like the, the room that seems to make the most difference uh, in people's buying decision and flip the damn house and make a bunch of money. And so you can do the same thing with a digital business. Yeah, but also yeah, akin to buying a house is if you don't do your due diligence, you know, exactly. you could you could get behind the drywall and it could have rats. Like there could be, you know, don't don't just go spending money willy nilly because you heard two guys on a podcast talk about it. You like you need to do your research and you need to you know go through the books. There's you know there's people out there way smarter than me. Uh, you know, Mike's bought a few businesses, but I'm sure he'd say like get to learn kind of the ins and outs of what you should be looking for in these deals. I mean, I, I hire a third party to do due diligence. They're called Centurica. I mean, that's all they do. Uh, they were also hired to do due diligence on the sale. When I sold my business, I was on the other end of it, having to <laughs> send them lots of paperwork uh, and improve everything. But you want someone who's really good at crossing every T and dotting every I and let them be the enemy. That's the other thing, right? You know, Most of us are kind of softies. And in some way, like you want to be nice to the person you're trying to buy this business from. You want to get the deal done. You get emotional about it. Um, you kind of just like to feel bad asking for stuff. So let someone else do that crap, you know, just let them do it. They're really good at it. And they will come back to you and say, yeah, you should go buy this business. Everything checks out. Or here are the things you should be aware of. You can make your own decision, or this is a really, really bad idea. <laughs> um, don't do this. And, you know, so it's kind of, you know, but they'll, they'll do that legwork for you. Yeah, that's fantastic advice. Uh, <laughs> I wish I could have a middleman sometimes working on these uh, these project deals, man. Because you, you, when you start investing time on both sides, you know it, you, people get it, it, emotional, and it, even though it is just business, you know so, sometimes the business is a big part of your life, so things get a little a little rocky. But it it is what it is, you know. So um, you mentioned uh, earlier that you have a few content sites and I kind of wanted, you know, I'm always content, content, content. You guys need a content engine. Like it's, it pays off eventually, you know, you can't just be worried about direct response. Um, you mentioned that you have a few content sites that aren't on like a Shopify or like a, a direct to consumer CMS. Um, what is the advantage or what is the strategy or thought process behind just having a standalone content site? Yeah, it's funny because we, we get asked this question all the time, like, where should I host my content? And so we, we've taken a content first approach uh, to our tactical brand versus like a product first approach. Um, you know, and so having having a standalone site for the content does make it a lot easier and typically will come off more trustworthy to the reader than if you are an actual brand. And so if you're doing a top 10 reviews of tactical flashlights or bug out bags or whatever it might be, survival food, if you're a brand that sells one of those products, that review is going to seem a little suspect. It's also going to be much more difficult to get backlinks from other brands uh, and other organizations as, as a as a brand owner, as a, as a physical product company. And so and we found that in general, like having this content machine freestanding uh, can be, can be a really great asset. And, and so we, there's some idiosyncrasies and some, you know, fine line things between picking which way we go with it. But uh, we, we, again, we took a content first approach to the, to the tactical brand. We've been building out this site with lots of great content uh, growing the traffic over the last couple of years, growing our email list, growing our community, 
and and doing that in a way that is non-brand centric. And so we do have a quote unquote sister brand of, of products that we do sell. And some people make that connection, which is fine. But on the surface, in terms of like all the things I just mentioned, it, it does it does make SEO a little easier. It does make positioning some of these like top review type articles a little bit easier. Um, and also the thought is that over time, we will have multiple properties like this. I mean, we're either buying them as we go along and find good opportunities so we can have uh, multiple blogs that are all freestanding that have kind of all point to each other and point to the physical product brand. Um, and if you just have one physical product website with all your content there, it, it limits you in in those regards. You know that makes that makes a lot of sense, especially to me, and it's very top of mind because uh, obviously anyone listening or watching to this podcast, HonestyCommerce.co exists completely separate than the agency ElectricGuy.io. Uh, at one point, they lived together, uh, and we split them off about mm, a year and a half ago, I, I think. Um, and you know, a lot of it for similar reasons that you said. You know, I, I feel like it'd be disingenuous to uh, do some of the reviews. And you know the content that we produce is is I try to be very, um, you know, down the middle with my opinions on things. Like right. I've even said that Shopify isn't the right solution for certain things, even though everyone knows that's what I do for a living. Like I, I try to be very, you know, but at the at the same time, like if if the podcast lived on the Electric Eye website, you know, and it's sponsored by Gorgeous, you know, am I pitching Gorgeous to every client? You know, does that feel disingenuous? You know, so there's there was a lot of decisions that I went into it. And even today, uh, in conversations with my partner, we were talking about, do we want to put them back together? Do we want to keep them separate? And I'll tell you right now, there's no right answer. <laughs> you know, there's no right answer. There's definitely some of these things. And that's, you know, one of those things you got to be okay with. And I think that's something that I've learned as I've gotten older, you know, you, when I was younger, like I was always trying to find like the perfect, most optimized, exact right answer. And a lot of times it just, it doesn't exist, you know? And so as I've gotten a little bit older. Oh yeah. That's a chasing perfection is, is a, just a, it's a young man's game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. It was fun being young too. There was uh, a lot more energy. So you, you, you can, at least for me, I was able to get around a lot of the mistakes I made by just being the bull in the china shop because I just never had uh, my batteries at less than ninety eight percent. Yeah, I mean, it, but you you're right. Uh, I think you know just what the, what I want to pull out that and highlight for the listeners is uh, perfection is kind of uh, the enemy of improvement. If you are focused on it being perfect, it will never be perfect, and you'll yep. never get it done. You'll never get it shipped. You know, if you're taking from like a software perspective, like just ship it, and it will. And you can you can fix it later. Mm -hmm. You can iterate upon it. That's like, you know, build an MVP and iterate upon it is the best way to approach any sort of business thing. Like, what's the cheapest, fastest, quickest, efficient, or quality way that we can launch this thing? Yeah, and I mean, when you do that, it also gets you to the feedback stage quicker, which is probably the most important thing. I mean, you can, yeah. I mean, you can design software or products or whatever and be loop. one of the best in the world at it. Uh, and then after you launch, you realize that like you did all the wrong things because you weren't focused on the things that everyone else really cares about. You just did what you thought you care about or you thought that they care about. Um, and so a lot of the things that we've done over the years, our most successful products, the most successful things we've done actually are all from feedback. You know, it's... Uh, you know, one of our most successful ice packs. I mean, uh, you know, we released it, thought it was the best thing ever. People complained that it condensated and 
or whatever. And I, I like, well, just use a freaking towel. You're an idiot. Like, I mean, obviously condensation happens, but we listened to the feedback over, over the years and just started shipping it with a cover and went from like a three and a half star product to 4.7 star product. And, you know, sell a container of these things a month now. And and so that's just one very small example of just listening to what people are telling you. Uh, and the quicker you can get there, the, the better off you'll be. And, and we have at least a couple dozen products at this point that have all fallen in this bucket of just listen to what, what the market's telling you. And if we were still trying to make it perfect before releasing it, we'd still be on in the design floor, you know, and, and never get this stuff out. Yeah, and if this is interesting to anybody listening, it's read or listen to uh, the Lean Startup. Uh, it's basically talks about the this thing ship ship early, ship quick, get to the feedback stage, iterate, iterate, iterate. Yep. Awesome, Mike. So if, if people uh, a shout out the brand so people can go check them out. So let's get that out of the way. Uh, well, Ecom Crew is the uh, podcast and training and. Uh, content site about e-commerce. That's that brand. Uh, we have Ice Wraps, which is a hot and cold therapy brand. Wild Baby, which is the stuffed animals. And Tactical, which is the tactical gear. The other home decor brand uh, is the one thing that we don't talk about publicly. I just mentioned that's home decor. We we bought it uh, through uh, ECF Capital. ECF is an e-commerce fuel. It's a, a community for uh, seven-figure e-commerce owners uh, uh, become really good friends with the owner there and several other members of that community. And they started a fund called ECF Capital. And as a part of that, we agreed that we would be a little bit more vague. There wasn't really anything for the investors to, to gain by us uh, just kind of publicly talking about it. So since I don't own that one 100%, I, I keep that a little bit more close to the vest. But the other stuff... I mentioned you can go check out all our things that we're doing. Go copy us if you want. I don't recommend it. Don't be a follower. Be a leader. Um, but we're we're pretty open about everything we do. Awesome. Yeah. Go check out the podcast. Obviously, uh, if you want a you know a, a, a slow transition into what he's talking about, just go listen to the episode. I was <laughs> exactly. I don't have that episode number handy, but uh, yeah, it, it'll be some sometime recently <laughs> when this comes out. People think we prepare for these things. We do a better job now than ever. We we actually have a full time staff that that does do all this stuff, and and they could tell you exactly what episode number you're going to be on. I have no idea. I just they schedule my calendar. I show up and turn on the mic when I'm supposed to. I have some notes, and that's it. That's it. <laughs> I know my part of the process. I know my part of the process. Awesome, Mike. Thanks so much for coming on, and I'm sure I'll have you back in a couple months, and we'll go down some other rabbit hole. Uh, I had a lot of fun today. Thank you so much. Love it. Absolutely. Same. All right. I can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge and journey with us. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our own business. You can find all the links in the show notes. Make sure you head over to honestecommerce.co to check out all of the other amazing content that we have. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review. And obviously, if you're thinking about growing your business, check out our agency at electriceye.io. Until next time.